Hello and welcome to the KidneyCast. I'm Laura Morris. And I'm Ari Deckard. And this is our podcast where we talk about Ari's experiences with Alport syndrome, his three kidney transplants, and his other health and medical experiences. And it has been almost two years since we've done a recording, and it's yeah. like I never left. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording today because it's actually a pretty cool celebration for us. Um, today, as we are recording, May 11th, is the 10th anniversary of Ari's kidney transplant. Yeah, it is. It's kind of crazy. So we wanted to record kind of a quick episode to check in and celebrate the decade anniversary and chat about a few things about having a kidney for 10 years. Yeah. Okay, so to start off, What's it like to have made it to 10 years with the transplant? What's your sort of overview and takeaway of the past 10 years? I don't know. In some ways, like, this is my normal, right? But also, it's kind of incredible. You know, we've talked about on the podcast that this is like my third transplant. And when we started talking about transplantation all those years ago, a lot of the talk was about, you know, this should last 10, 12 years or so. And we thought, oh, that sounds pretty good. And then the first two did not. And so when I got this kidney, it was really just my hope to make it past like the three-year mark. And then it was four years all of a sudden, and then it was five. And now here I am at 10, which was a time period that they had talked about as should be normal. And it seems so unattainable for such a long time that it feels incredibly weird to be here. But it also feels completely normal and also really, really amazing. I'm really stoked that I made it this long and I'm just fine. Everything's good. So looking back over the past 10 years, talk a little bit about, I mean, we've done other episodes, but it's been a couple of years. And sure. Like looking back, what are the things that you have accomplished or been able to do because of the transplant? I was going to say everything. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not actually everything, but I was able to go back to college and finish my degree um, fairly painlessly. Then I was able pretty much immediately to go to grad school and do my master's degree at Columbia, which was great. That led to me being finally, like, actually formally certified as a teacher, something that I had been trying to do for a decade or more, uh, which led to me, you know, teaching professionally full-time as a certified teacher in my own classroom for the first time uh, about six years ago. And you know, getting a job and doing that and building a music program at my school and all of those things that like in high school, I kind of assumed I'd be doing in my early 20s. I did in like my mid late 30s. And all of that is fine, but I got to do it. In addition to that, then we have traveled to a bunch of places. We've gone to France, we've gone to Germany, we've gone to Austria, we've gone to Costa Rica, we've gone a number of places around the country. We've done all of those things. I've been able to attend all kinds of wonderful arts events that I wouldn't have been able to do financially, but also like physically, just as a sick person. I've gone to tons and tons of concerts and plays and performances that I never, ever would have had like the mental and physical energy to make it through. And I want to talk a little bit about the reason that we went to Costa Rica last year, because we didn't record a podcast episode about oh, okay. it. And I want to brag about you, <laughs> right. which is we did not have a vacation planned for that year. Um, no. The reason that we went is that Ari won a teaching award from VH1 and JetBlue. Yeah. They honored one music teacher from every borough in the city, and he was the music teacher honored from Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And because it was JetBlue doing the, <laughs> doing the party, uh, in addition to giving a really generous amount of grant money that allowed you to buy more instruments for your kids, yeah. 
they gave us two round trip tickets to anywhere. And so yeah. we got to go to Costa Rica. Anywhere they fly. And so we looked at the map and said, ooh, Costa Rica. That sounds great. And yeah, I, I remember we went to a little like cabin in the rainforest with a hammock and mm-hmm. got to sit out there. I got to watch you zip line in Monteverde. <laughs> yeah. And I watched you disappear into the mist and you we were over mountains yeah. in this rainforest. And I felt amazed. I remember standing there getting ready for my turn, clipping in and thinking how far we were yeah. from when you were sick and not just the distance of being in another country, but so, so far had we come. Right. Absolutely. Because not only would we not have had that opportunity, but there was almost nothing that we did on that vacation that I would have really been capable of doing on dialysis. Even if I had somehow traveled with the machine or had dialysis locally, my energy level would not have supported almost anything. Almost every day or every other day, we went on some kind of relatively easy hike to a rainforest or something else to see animals, see plants. But that hike would have been impossible for me. You know, to get to the het cabin that we you were just talking about was quite a long hike, actually, <laughs> deep into a national forest that we didn't really expect was going to happen. And, you know, it was hard because I'm not super in shape, but I'm also not on dialysis. I'm just sort of normal person. And so I could do it. The next thing I wanted to talk to you about is what is it like to have a transplant last this long? What's that like kind of day to day, month to month? You know, you mentioned you have these two transplants that failed. They both failed pretty early. So, you know, when you have a transplant like this that lasts, are you still kind of worried about health stuff? Does that fade into the background for you? You know, for the most part, day to day, it's completely normal. I take meds in the morning. I take meds in the evening. I have a specific diet that I follow that I've been following for so long that it's second nature now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm at the grocery store, I'm looking at a menu, whatever it is, and I just go, yes, no, yes, no, sure, maybe, what, well, this time possibly, but then I can't do it for two weeks or whatever. And it's just very, very straightforward. It's absolutely my normal, my, my current paradigm. At the same time, every once in a while, something will happen. You know, um, it's now spring, and the pollen count's been really heavy in New York, and I've been a little bit stuffed up. And so, you know, a few weeks ago, I've been stuffed up for like a week or two. And I'm just going about my day, and I was like, oh gosh, I'm kind of stuffed up. And I had this like three second flash of this entire future where I was worried that, well, I've been stuffed up now for a week and a half, and that might be a symptom of something worse, so I should call my doctor. And so then they say, yeah, that's been going on for a long time, so you should come in. And so then I go in, and they look at me, and they take some labs, and then they realize, oh, my creatinine is nine and a half, which is way too high. That means that the transplant's failing, so you need to go to the hospital right now. You're going to be there for a week or longer, and then we're going to start talking about putting you on dialysis. And that means, do I have to quit my job? Can I go part-time? What's going to happen? And I see, like, five years laid out in front of me (laughs) of my whole life changing in the course of, like, three seconds. And then I go, oh, wait, the pollen count's really high. I should just start taking Claritin. (laughs) And then I did. And then I've been fine because I'm actually okay. So I guess what I'm saying is the thing I've always kind of felt and, and said about the chronic illness I have is that especially once I had a transplant, I'm basically fine until I'm not. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely things that happen gradually, of course, but because they're gradual, you don't notice it or I don't notice it until all of a sudden it's significantly worse. And so I still have that panic 
every once in a while that, is this it? And I, it hasn't gone away, but it also hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you know, I'm taking care of myself and everything's stable. I saw my transplant nephrologist about a month ago. He was really happy. It's all good. And I guess, is there any piece of advice or observation or something that you would give to somebody who's, now that you're 10 years out, to somebody who's just got a transplant or somebody who's waiting for one? Gosh, if you just gotten a transplant, take what the doctors are telling you seriously. Take your meds regularly. Set alarms if you need to, or even if you don't think you need to. Do that for like a year until it becomes second nature and you're always watching the clock. Like I don't think about it very much, but especially in the mornings and in the evenings, I start checking in with clocks pretty regularly. And that starts happening around eight o'clock because I take my meds at nine. I know based on my work schedule, what time a period ends and thus when I need to take my meds. That really, really matters. More than a lot of things that matters for the survival of your kidney. And then take care of yourself otherwise. Make sure you're not, you know, hugging people who are sniffling and things. But if you're waiting for a transplant, I mean, I would say take care of yourself. But like transplants seem like big, scary things. And they are. But once you do that, and maybe it takes, let's say, three months, six months to kind of become reacclimated to that. If you keep that up, it's only three months. It's only six months. And you keep doing it, and then it's you're fine. You're great. You get to just be a regular person again. You get to be a regular person again. And as hard as that can be, I think, for people who don't have to face that change to understand, those of us that do, who either are those people or are like the loved ones of those people, it's a really big deal. It's an absolute paradigm shift, and it can be scary even though it's a good thing. And so... You know it's life-changing, but it really, really is in, in all the best ways. So that was all like practical advice, I think, about how to handle, you know, medically and physically your transplant or pre-transplant stuff. But I also think on a more, I don't know, life level, it's really important once you have that transplant to like just be normal, but then use that time to enjoy the things that you wanted to enjoy but couldn't. In my own life, every time I got a transplant, I went back to school and like that's because I enjoy school, but also because that was important to me and it meant that I could keep working towards my goals. So if that's a thing for you that had to get stopped or you hadn't gotten to do yet, I would strongly encourage do that once you've got your transplant. If you like work, work. If you like travel, travel. If you like other things that I can't think of off the top of my head right now, do that. Dialysis is hard. Kidney failure is hard and it's hard to live with and it keeps you from doing so many things. And so I think find that thing that you've wanted to do and do it. Even if it's a small thing, like for me, I really desperately missed just drinking juices and occasionally sodas or whatever it was. And so once I had that transplant, like right, I went to the grocery store. On dialysis, you have to really monitor your fluid intake a lot. So much. And so it's like, well, I'm having this little sip and that's going to do me for six hours or something. And yeah, so once we had the transplant and I was feeling up to it, we went to the grocery store and we went, well, let's try this lemonade and this weird drink that's in the case and this other stuff and just enjoy the fact that I can try different things and 
drink all I want of them. All those little things and those big things are really, really amazing. And I would say like really, really important. And they're really important because for two reasons, because maybe your transplant won't last like mine didn't. And so I really appreciated the time I had in school before I had to go back on dialysis um, because at least I got to do that. And I had really vital, interesting, cool experiences. And, you know, now I'm at 10 years, but something could go wrong. I don't know. And I've really been enjoying that. We've taken our vacations. We've done the work we wanted to do. We've done the relaxing and other things the way we wanted to do them. And if my life changes tomorrow, I will have gotten to have those experiences instead of putting them off until, well, maybe someday. And that's just been great. Yeah. When I look back on the past 10 years and that we've been doing a lot of reminiscing, yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing the things we've gotten to do. I don't mm-hmm. feel like any of that was wasted and all of some of the best experiences of my life and major dreams that came true. I really do feel like this 10 years, we just made the absolute most of it. And luck, both good and bad, has sometimes played very large roles in our lives. And it does for other people too. You know, like you might have big dreams and sometimes they are not economically feasible or they yeah. are not feasible within your health or other other things. And once things become possible, I can't, I can't urge you enough to just go and make it happen. Don't, don't someday all yeah. of your dreams away because we're not unique in that, you know, things could suddenly take a turn. That's mm-hmm. actually the reality for everybody on the planet. You could walk outside and get hit by a car. People, yeah. people die in traffic accidents a lot or they get seriously injured. I think because of the way your health has yo-yoed and yeah. been dramatic, we are more aware of it more often. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually wanted to kind of pass that question to you. You know, you asked me advice as a transplant patient, as an Alport's patient uh, after 10 years, but as a partner of somebody who's chronically ill, like what advice do you have for partners, for caretakers, people in people's lives? Wow. Um I think, and I've talked about it on previous episodes of the podcast, one of the hardest things for me is your partner or your supportive person is there's always that balance between when does Ari need for me to go, you can do it, right? Like really push uh-huh. you. Like this is within your grasp. You can go. You're healthy enough. You're strong enough. Go, go, go. Right. And when does Ari need me to be the person? And I know this is a weird thing, but like to give you permission. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you're going all out. You're really struggling. You're really sick. <laughs> and somebody needs to tell you, you're sick, take a sick day, or you're sick, go to bed and kind of be that outside check. And so sometimes it's, that's a balance that is hard learned, having that read on you of when does Ari need my encouragement and my like, go, go, go. And when does Ari need me to be the person who's like, it's okay that you can't do this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's a balance that anybody who's trying to support another person has to learn is when do they need what from you and give them the actual thing they need, not the thing that you think would be best in the moment. Right. And we as patients don't always know either, of course. And I think, like lots of things, because you're the primary person who deals with this, it would be selfish for me to go, hey, by the way, this is hard for me too. Yeah. But sometimes talk about it. Yeah. Communicate a lot, not in an obnoxious way, not in a selfish or self-centered way. But if you're really tired and you're the one who's been, you know, taking care of all the different spinning plates because your person can't. Yeah. When they're starting to get better and you're getting tired, you can say like, hey, I, I have to let this... I have to let these things on the to-do list go. I am so tired. Right. And that's, that's totally fair. Yeah, that's fair. And when you have the opportunity to do things that you want to do, really do them and and make plans and figure out how to do it. Again, I don't want to come in like, everything's always easy and you can do whatever you want because I, 
I know that's not true. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you are in, I guess, a bad luck period, try to make that the happiest and best you can make it. Sure. Do, do the things that you can do. And then when you hit that run of good luck, when you get a transplant, when you get that job that suddenly makes things more economically feasible, really go after the things that you want. Don't keep putting them on a back burner. I agree. And this is a bit of a change of topic, but we've been reminiscing a lot about 10 years ago and the day that you got the transplant. And one of the things we've both been talking a lot is, you know, at the time, our friend Tara had been staying with us. Because mm-hmm. none of the three of us knew you were going to get a transplant call at Boy, 5 a.m. Yeah. And she helped us through that. She supported so. us. You know, you were in surgery all day until late at night. And mm-hmm. she was there with me. The, the idea of doing that completely alone. Then I had to get up the next morning and take some law school finals that I rescheduled for your surgery. Right. And she went to the hospital and sat with you so that in case you woke up, there would be somebody there. And that was... That made it possible for me to do that because mm-hmm. I think the idea of you not having somebody there when you woke up would have made it impossible for me to do those things. And like, sure, of course. In the weeks afterward, you know, Tara was always there keeping a cool head, making <laughs> making it feel like this is normal and doable and we can handle it and being so kind and supportive. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I want to say is if you think you might like our friend Tara and you, <laughs> and I know you like podcasts because you're listening to this one. If you like musical theater, she has a podcast with her friend Chelsea called What the Musical it is fantastic yeah, and funny, good. and I want to make sure that you guys know about it. And we like, we listen to it every other Friday. Yeah, it's great. It's on iTunes and, you know, the internet. And to wrap up, I'll do my last question. How have you been feeling lately? Well, like I said, I was a little stuffed up. Turned out it was allergies, and I'm fine. Weirdly, one of the things I've noticed over the last couple of years is that, you know, I have things that I run into that are clearly because I have a suppressed immune system. And occasionally things that are, you know, comorbid with transplant or outports or something like that. But more and more, like I turned 42 about a month ago and I'm starting to notice, oh, I am having things happen with my body that are not related to outports anymore. They're not related to transplant stuff. It's just I'm getting a little bit older. And so, you know, like... I kind of threw my back out about a week ago, not really doing anything. And that's just because I'm 42. So I'm fine. Like, I'm, I'm good. And um, I'm, I'm thriving. It's, it's great. Happy 10-year anniversary. Thank you. Happy 10-year anniversary to you. These have been the best 10 years of my life. Mine too. I love you. Love you too. And I also want to say I put links to in every episode to the organ donor site at yeah. um, organdonor.gov. Please, 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 anybody who's listening and can become an organ donor. Ari's donor, we know, saved three people's lives. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more than that. Yeah. It's their family and their friends. And for you, you know, all the people you work with, all the students, you've taught hundreds of students now in the past 10 years and gotten instruments into kids' hands and had concerts, talent shows, pep assemblies, and school musicals that right. wouldn't have happened otherwise. And the good that you do when you donate an organ ripples outward. And it's, yeah. it's incredibly heroic and incredibly important. Yeah, it's not just one life that you touch or save or impact. It's a lot of people. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And it was fun to record this this update. And yeah. we're having an awesome 10-year anniversary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>